That was a band called Soundgarden that I happened to be in. My name's Matt. Hello, Princeton. All right. Um, we are here, in fact, with Matt from Soundgarden, like you said. And uh, we're going to be for the next, oh, I don't know, how many minutes uh, doing a little interview, a little impromptu, live, anything goes type sort of thing. And uh, I guess we'll try to, we'll, we'll get some of the standard questions um, out of the way first. Uh, you know, because everybody wants to know sort of uh, all about that. What, you know, starting, I suppose, with, uh, with one of the big points with, with indie bands being lapped up by major labels, what's it like to move from SST to A&M? Well, it's a lot more organized and, and promoted and comfortable now, whereas before we were, we were doing the jobs of, like, four or five guys you know each each band member so now we're able to concentrate on the shows and and writing songs and stuff whereas before it's just a little more we're all more scattered you know and it's it's afforded us a lot more time to to do what we're best at which is writing music and touring okay is it really hard touring you know if you're if you're in your own van or whatever as opposed to the, the air-conditioned luxury bus i mean yeah. everybody's carrying all the amps yeah. and stuff around well the first um four tours that we did we were in a van we slept on people's floors you know we we sold t-shirts out of the back of the van whatever but now we got some organization involved and so things are running a lot more smooth that's cool um well what about uh what about do you think that uh has has the A and M? I mean, a lot of people think that uh, once a, an indie band who's sort of had license to you know to say what they want, play what they want, you right. know, go to a major label, they'll be poisoned. Yeah, the sound will never be the same right. after it's corporatized or sure. whatever. That's did that did that happen very, or was it like a legit, not a big deal? That's a very legitimate thing for people to think because there has been so many cases where bands have been ruined by going straight to a major label. But in our case, we were afforded a lot of creative control as they call it and uh so we were you know we were able to do exactly what we wanted as far as making the record picking a producer picking a studio everything um you know how we were going to be marketed whatnot so uh turned out to be a a pretty logical next step for us do you think that a lot of your old you know old time long time true and hard fans are going to hold it against you and say sure there's always say, those you know those oh, no way yeah. i'm not listening anymore they sold out sure sure but i think we're we're attracting more people now with our new record so the people that die off because they think we've sold out then you know that's they're missing out as far as i'm concerned because you know we're we're getting better and better right okay um do you uh, what about? Oh, I, I had a personal question. Um, I was wondering, what about a song? I mean, it, it doesn't seem like that you really have sold out, but or is a song like "Big Dumb Sex" is that sort of musical tokenism in a, in a certain sense? Like, you know, they're like, well, you can put on one song that you know you can't play over the air. Yeah. And uh, but that's you know to show you you haven't like you know. But that's a good. Um, it's a good song. Good I'm example. not saying it's not. Yeah, it's a good okay. example of of like. A record company giving us a lot of control whereas if we were on some other label that had more of a 
heavy-handed approach, they wouldn't have let us release that song. So, in a sense, it's it's really good that that song is on the record, and um, it's kind of a teen anthem in a way. Um, I mean, it's never going to get played on the radio, but at our shows, people sing along with the song and they right. love flipping Chris off when they're singing <laughs> and stuff. So, um, it's it's actually really been a good a good promotion song for us. That's cool, yeah. I guess they, uh, but we have gotten a lot of flack from it, too. But, I mean, the controversy has created record sales as it is. I mean, because we got that sticker on there. Right. And, um, you know, that just, it just makes people more curious about a record. Was that, was the explicit lyrics sticker or whatever, I mean, was that actually, I mean, uh, was it was it less sort of a corporate, like, warning or whatever, as opposed to, like, you know, we're gonna try to generate record sales for. It was yeah. It was or is directly, it a little of both, or you know, it was directly from the PMRC lobbying groups really? or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. What do you think yeah. about that sort of stuff in, in record censoring? I hate it. <laughs> kind of a dumb question, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, they're they're totally squashing a lot of ideas that can come out, and in a lot of cases, it's it's just silly stuff that these senators wives do on their spare time you know it's like they've got nothing better to do so you know it kind of sucks okay um all right Flop. uh you want right, well why don't you why don't you introduce the next <laughs> song <laughs> this tune is a song by the ohio players that we butchered and it's called fop Okay, and uh, we're back with Matt from Soundgarden, and I suppose we ought to say why uh, why you guys are in the area, and that's... Well, I just bought a house in Trenton. Yeah. And so, you know, checking out the, so, uh, yeah, that's the a good job place. market and stuff. Good place to live. Settling down, Settling you know, down. got a wife, a couple kids, a dog. Ooh. White picket fans. Scary. No, <laughs> um, we're playing tonight at City Gardens with uh, Voivod and Faith No More. Tonight, tonight. Night that is Friday night, and uh, tickets I think are ten dollars at the door. It's probably uh, too late to get them in advance and all that sort of stuff. Thirteen dollars at the oh, door. Thirteen dollars. Twenty-three. I don't know. Twenty-six. Lots oh, of money. Thirteen. Thirteen. Should have got them in advance. Too late. <laughs> um, what do you, What do you think about uh, What do you think about City Gardens? I mean, you played there a lot before. I remember you were there just like not even a couple months ago, um, probably. So it didn't seem it was, that long. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, um, was it, is it a good place to play? Better, worse than most, or yeah, whatever? it's it's, it just sort it's of good because of because uh, of the size. We're we've been drawing a lot of people. Um, this this package has been drawing a lot of people because all three bands have, you know, a lot of drawing power. So when we can play at clubs that hold you know 800 to 1,000 people, it's usually a full house. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Well, what about? Um, I mean, I imagine in in Seattle where you guys are from. Um, you probably have a fairly, I suppose, uh, loyal following or whatever. Yeah. Definitely. What about when you go on the road? Do you find that the fans are like, you know, who the hell is this? Or are they, they I mean, they all, I mean, I assume they all know who you are, but yeah. I mean, they might not be that familiar with your music. Yeah. You know, because you. Um, well, it's building a lot now. Um, when we first started, when we were supporting like our Screaming Life record on Sub Pop and the Ultra Mega OK record on SST. We would play towns like New Orleans and Houston, a lot of a lot of southern places where no one would know of us, and there'd be like a couple drunk guys, you know, in a bar, <laughs> throwing stuff at us. And 
And by the chicken wire or something yeah. like that. And then like, you know, a year and a half later, since we've been touring now, we've been gaining a lot more people. And uh, when we go to, tip, you know, like New Orleans again, we'll, we can sell out Tipitina's. So it's kind of going up and up. So that's one of the reasons why we have to tour is because we don't really get a lot of airplay besides, you know, college airplay, which right. is which is great. Um, so we got to tour and expose ourselves to the world. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, New Orleans or whatever, however, Northerners butcher that word. Um, <laughs> what uh, what was the uh, yeah? What was the the reference? I just curiosity to uh, the Louisiana DEA on the uh, ah. on the special thanks of the record. Was okay. that? Is there a story behind that? That's a good uh, one. Um, well, we were going over the border from Texas into Louisiana, and these undercover DEA cops saw us, <laughs> saw our hair, saw the dirty van with the U-Haul, and uh, decided to just pull us over and uh, check out our van illegally. Just like randomly? Just illegally just... search us and illegally pull us over. Um, I was driving at the time. They said I made an illegal right turn, which is bull. <laughs> so anyways, they pulled us over, and unbeknownst to us, our sound man, Stuart, had like a gram of, of uh, what do you call it stuff? Marijuana. <laughs> he had, he had some of that on him. I don't know what you mean. And uh, they found that, comp took all of our money. We had earned like nine hundred dollars up to this point. Took all of our money as so-called evidence, <laughs> and uh, and they pretty much stole all of our money. And <laughs> so we we all got like misdemeanor charges for possession of marijuana because it was in this guy's toolbox, which is like common property for all the band or something. Um, anyways, uh, to make a long story longer, we, we just, like, we just shined it, you know. I mean, we would have had to have fl flown back to, uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana to go to court to prosecute these guys. It would have taken more than $1,000 to do all that, so we got, we got rooked, basically. Because yeah. <laughs> we, we fit their, like, drug-running criterion, you know. Long-haired guys in a dirty <laughs> van, you know. Yeah, typical drug users. Um, I like that word. And, uh, well, um, I guess to, to change topics around a little bit, um, what's, uh, there's, there's been a personnel change in the band sort of recently. Mm -hmm. um, since August. Since August, okay. What's it like with, uh, with Jason as bassist? In, um, it's good. It's, it's See, I mean, I don't want to make you know talent comparisons or whatever. Yeah. You know, over the yeah. air or something. But I mean, does he? How did you? How did you find him? Through this band called Nirvana, from Seattle. God, what a segue. <laughs> um. Yeah. He uh, he was playing rhythm guitar with them, and uh, you know we'd always liked the band a lot, and he called us and said, "Hey, I can play bass." So we auditioned him as well as auditioning you know, tons of other people, and he got the gig. Sounds good. And in fact, I think uh, we're going to hear... Gonna play something? We're going to hear a little uh, Nirvana right now. Uh, as, uh, this is a negative creep. Okay, we're back on WPRB in Princeton, and uh, we're here with Matt from Soundgarden, and uh, that was a Nirvana record. Um, 
and in relation to other music, maybe we could talk about musical influences that, uh, that might have affected the band or something like that. Okay. Um, well, let's see. We all like uh, early kind of psychedelic heavy stuff like Cream and, and Hendrix and Blue Cheer, stuff like that. Um, we've been compared to Led Zeppelin a lot, which is okay. <laughs> but we've not, you know, we're not really like Zepp retread for the 90s or whatever, all that stuff, you yeah. know, we, we get all the time. Um, um, then, like, me and Kim are really into, like, Captain Beefheart, and I see you got a Eric Dolphy record over here, stuff like that. Um, and then Jason's into, like, pretty heavy metal stuff and rap, and Chris likes a lot of early Pink Floyd and stuff like that. So uh, we all have various degrees of weird influences that we can bring into the band and, and you know, kind of layer layer influences or whatever okay um and uh well um i was gonna i was gonna ask you one one question so you mentioned Jimi hendrix um mm -hmm. since he was from or before he like made it big in in england or whatever since he seattle. was from seattle yep. uh, where you guys are from was it, or is he or whatever still you know is that like I mean, like I have a friend from Minnesota, and Prince is, you know, big there, even though he's, you know, big nationwide or whatever. Well, Prince is, uh, isn't dead. Well, that's true. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think Hendrix is still playing many concerts, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but is everyone sort of affected, you know, by, by certain, like... I think it's a, it's a source of pride, yeah. Sure. Sort of, okay. Because I remember um, listening to the reprise or reprise of uh, full-on Kevin's Mom, the end of it sort of has some, some wah-wah effects or whatever yeah. that, that seem to remind me of sort of that Hendrix yeah. style. Yeah, and, um, I mean, we used to do, uh, um, oh, what's this, uh, Spanish Castle Magic, and uh, I Don't Live Today, yeah. a couple Hendrix tunes, and yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool, we've we've gone to his, no, actually we haven't, um, we, we've been to Bruce Lee's grave, Gravestone, <laughs> but not Hendrix's, close. yeah, yeah Bruce he's another source Hendrix. of pride of Seattle. Really? Yeah, Bruce Didn't Lee, know that. Yep. Hmm. went to the University of Washington. Okay. Um, well, while we're on sort of dead bands, although it might be revived or whatever, um, uh, you've been compared a lot to Led Zeppelin, and I won't I won't be so trite as to make you know some sort of lame comparison like that again. Uh, I mean, are you are you so sick of that now that you just are like you know Led Zeppelin, blah, I hate that, or I mean, do you still like their music, or have you? Yeah, sure. You know, I still like their music. Have you thought ever of doing like a Led Zeppelin, you know, cover songs? Kind of we like used a to do a uh, kind of a medley. We do uh, start out with Working Man by Rush, then we go into Communication Breakdown, and then we we'd end with uh, 18 by Alice Cooper. So we we've so, done one Zeppelin <laughs> kind of tribute thing, but it was cover. it was dorked out and punk, you know, <laughs> really fast and weird. So it was barely recognizable. Well, do you find that you have to do, like, a lot of cover songs or something like that when you tour, or can you pretty much do it your helps. own stuff and, and it helps people, to know like, pick it up? some weird covers. Um, we used to do, uh, like, a cover by Parliament. Um, we did a cover by Sly Stone. Um, what else did we do? Yeah, like, those Hendrix covers. Uh, just just kind of weird, obscure stuff. Like, when we, went, um, when, when we tour around, it kind of helps to... You know, to have some weird, obscure covers to do. Oh. Yeah, and uh, speaking of touring around, uh, we'll just mention one more time that Soundgarden is tonight at uh, City Gardens. And we're playing second. 
And they're playing second along with Faith the Moors first and Voivod, the, uh, the very sort of stranger, I don't know, whatever. Um, playing, uh, I think, I at midnight or something. Says, like uh, look what the cyborg dragged in, <laughs> which is kind of appropriate. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we're going to hear something from, uh, from your new album, uh, Louder Than Love, if you want to, like. Okay. This is the... Uh, one of my personal faves, Ugly Truth. Everybody hates a sound garden. And why shouldn't they? Because they listen to WPRB Princeton. 